What do you do if you start adulting, become a grown up, and you move to an area that you love and the rents are insane and the home prices are insane and a 20% down payment to buy a home someday in this area costs more than a year's salary? How are you ever going to buy a home without going broke, without depleting all your saving in retirements, or make yourself house poor for the rest of your life? Like it or not, buying a home is different now than it's been in the past. So today we have to think outside the box and get creative. So in this interview, you're going to see how to make that happen without depleting every penny you have or setting yourself up to be house poor for decades. All right, everybody, it's time for your favorite podcast, the ones where I don't talk as much. I say that every time, but I know that you're thinking it. So Brian and Nathaniel, who are up in Northern California, and I'm sorry, is it Nathan or Nathaniel? Which do you prefer? I don't have a preference, so whatever comes naturally. Okay. I tell people all the time, call me Dave or David, just don't call me dumbass, and I'm happy. (laughs) Well, so... What I like to do is every time I listen to podcasts, they do this big, tell me all about yourself, but people are here because they want to know how to do this. So I'm going to put you on the spot right away. What was one of the big things that you learned that you would love to share with other people about the whole buying a home process that you think they could possibly use in their life? Well, I think one of the biggest things that I learned, partly from listening to your podcast, but also did a little bit of my own research about the different types of loans that are available. And that really came up for us because in the Bay Area, the homes tend to be more expensive. So you can really quickly find yourself into a jumbo loan rather than a traditional loan. That makes a huge difference when it comes to the interest rate and how much you end up paying. So that was definitely a huge factor for us, making sure we stayed within the traditional loan amount. Okay, so this is great because for people who don't know, I think I just got into it today because I'm doing my alphabet series and non-conforming was today because I was doing N. So it can vary, but you guys saw a big difference between what is the jumbo rate versus a conforming rate. Yeah? Yeah, exactly. And one thing I will add to sort of what Nathan shared, I mean, I think, number one, we had a great realtor and we found that realtor through this podcast, which was amazing. But she really connected us with a broker who was amazing. We have to give a shout out to our broker, uh, Jonas Champion, up in the Bay Area for those that might be looking for a broker. He worked with us, explained everything that we needed to understand about non-conventional and conventional or jumbo and conventional. And I think that was really helpful as first-time homebuyers who were trying to make their first big purchase up in the Bay Area. So that was helpful. Yeah. Any purchase in the Bay Area is a big purchase. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's one of the reasons being down here in Southern California, we're not quite as hoity as toity as you guys are there, (laughs) but it's still pretty expensive near the beach. But I just did a whole thing on the online lenders and God bless these poor people out there who go online and they hit up these people. And if you're in an area where things are rough or expensive, or if you just need some creative thinking, those stellar superstar mortgage brokers can be a game changer. Now, I remember going back through the details. So which one of you was it that I had to convince? Which one was the one 
There was one email one time about, I'm so glad you said something because my husband looked at the retirement funds or something like that. Yeah, that was probably me (laughs) because I've been listening to your podcast for like several months now. I actually took your advice that I listened to an older episode and a new episode and an older episode and a new episode. But so I have been binging the podcast and I was telling my husband Brian about it. And I'm like, I've been listening to this guy. I think we could do a home purchase, but we might need to diversify our retirement and take from your 401k in order to get into this home. And he was 100% against that before I really pressed the issue. Yeah, no, 100%. I think... Mentally, the biggest obstacle for me was just how are we going to get the finances in order to make the purchase? I think Nathan and I both have done a ton of due diligence over the last few years. So we knew the market. We knew what neighborhoods we wanted to be in, what we wanted. It was just how are we going to get there financially? And for me, being a risk-adverse government worker, I thought, I don't think I want to dip into that 401k. It doesn't sound smart. But sitting back and looking at it now, like I do think it probably, number one, got us to where we wanted to go with this purchase. But also, I'm kind of looking at it slightly different and seeing it as a positive versus a negative. So I'm glad we went that route and ultimately got the house that we wanted. In this short attention span TikTok world, it takes a little bit for me to explain. I can tell Nathan drank my Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> He used the word. Once I explained to him that it was diversifying your portfolio, (laughs) I say the yin and yang that you guys have in that, it is really important because people can emotionally go too far when they buy a home or they can analytically hold back for too long and pay rent for too long. And especially now as the market's peaking out, it's not going to be a sexy, get rich quick, make $100,000 the first year you buy a house. So the whole understanding that the home can be an asset as well, that's huge. And I'm so glad that you took the time. And Nathan, good job jumping back and forth. Thank you for paying attention to that. (laughs) There's just so much current stuff that's different. I mean, I started this thing back in 2019 in my living room, and it's a whole different world now. Okay, so those are such phenomenal pieces. Let's go back. Tell us how long have you been in the Bay Area? When did you guys start thinking about us? Bring us in your journey up to, because you guys closed when? We just closed maybe two, three weeks ago. Yeah, we closed on September 2nd. We looked at our first house July 27th. So it was a very quick turnaround. We found our house on the 27th of July. We made an offer, I want to say... A couple of days later, it was accepted and we went into pending status and we closed on the 2nd of September. Okay. What was the journey before that? How long have you guys been in the area? How long have you been renting? So we've been in the Bay Area for about maybe almost seven years now. And we've been renting really this entire time. So before we were at an apartment that was not as expensive. And then we decided to move into one of those more luxurious apartments, which the rent went up. So it was more expensive. And we always knew we wanted to buy a house. Like that was always the goal was to have a backyard for the dogs to play in. (laughs) And we had been working the past few years with a financial advisor to get all of our debts paid off. So that was good. We had some savings, not a ton, 
And before I thought it was like the 20% down. And for the Bay Area, that's like tens of thousands. Like it's so much money that I was <laughs> like, it's going to be years before we can- Hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. tens, baby. That's hundreds. <laughs> so that was the plan before. And we had a little bit of money saved and we were like, we're just going to have to wait a few years. But then I really listened to your podcast again. I kind of got into the mindset of, I don't want to sign another lease because it just felt like we were throwing away money. And the home prices have gone up so much in the last two years. And I had been kind of watching them and you gave the statistics on this. And I was like, I can't afford to wait another year because the house I want that I see now it's just going to be more expensive and we're never going to get there. So, and I will say his prompting of this podcast and just saying, let's reach out to David and get a connection for a realtor and just see where it goes. And I said, okay, that's not hurting anything. So we got connected with Valerie and talked with Valerie, really liked her. She said, don't go look at houses over the weekends until you get a pre-approval. Well, we didn't listen to that advice. We went out and looked at four houses, found the one, and it just moved really fast. It was an amazing experience. Yeah. I have a couple that listened to the podcast way back when. They were like, I think they're from episode 33, and they did the same thing. They called me because they're in my area, and I was like, all right, this is what we got to do. And then they're like, Sunday night, David, we found a house. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have a loan yet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I was going to ask, what were the pitfalls or the things that you shouldn't do? Okay, there's tip one. Get your pre-approval. Yes. I mean, I appreciate you guys. I mean, I put this out there for people like you. It can be for people buying a $100,000 house. It can be for people buying a $2 million house. I've actually had a $2.1 million podcast listener up in the Bay Area. And I know it wasn't cheap for y'all, but thank God you had the killer agent and the killer mortgage broker that were able to help you fast forward and, you know, be able to pull this off. That's the biggest thing that I want to make sure people understand is if you're not prepared, you you really have a good team. And if you have a really good team and you don't jump the gun like you boys did, then you'll be able to be prepared and be ready to go. So, okay, you had the 20%. Were there any other things misconceptions, like ideas coming into it, you thought, oh, it's going to be like this, but it ended up being like that. What would you say, Brian? Yeah, I think when we got down to kind of negotiating the final numbers and how it all played out, number one, our realtor was so amazing. Like she handled all of that. And I think got us a really good deal. There were a number of inspection items that needed to be addressed. And I didn't, have really the understanding of how we could settle that up to make it work on the back end from a financial perspective. And there were a lot of options that I think Valerie was, number one, able to work with the seller's agent to negotiate a deal that would allow us to address those once we got into the property. So from that angle, like I learned a lot just in the negotiation that went on with the closing costs and the inspection report and the items that need to be addressed in that. Okay, that's a good one. So go nitty gritty with me on that. And I'll explain afterwards. Did you guys do like a credit as opposed to having them do the repairs? We did. We did. And I think also with being in the Bay Area, a lot of my friends that have bought homes had said, oh, you have to have no contingencies. 
You have to like be super competitive because it's a competitive market. But our unicorn realtor Valerie was like, no, I always do contingencies. We always do appraisals. We always do inspections. And so she had all that in there. That was like non-negotiable, which was super helpful because we got back the full report and it was pages and pages and pages of things. And the guy we bought the home from was like a flipper. He flipped the home. So we weren't really trusting that he would make the repairs kind of up to code. And I had never heard about this credit situation, but of course, Valerie and Jonas were very knowledgeable and explained kind of how that works through the escrow account. And ultimately, it turned out because of the number of repairs that we found in the inspection and Valerie's negotiation skills, they credited everything. We didn't really pay no closing costs. Okay. I love that. That's so exciting. And it's so funny because I just know all the like good stuff. Yay, we got the house. But the interview is awesome because I get a chance. So for those of you out there, part of your contingency period is the fact that you get to have an inspection. And after the inspection, you can ask them to fix it. I love what you said there, Nathan. The guy's flipping the house. He's already putting lipstick on the pig. I'm not going to ask him to fix the sink. Because if the sink is leaking, the way it will work is you'll say you either negotiate, you're going to repair this so it works completely, but you literally don't get to check that until a couple days before you close. And savvy sellers know that. Not to mention the fact that who knows what your opinion of fixed is versus my opinion. It could be totally different. But the great thing about a good real estate team helping you is that you can get that as a credit. And the credit can come to you as cash at close, which means, oh, now I don't have to bring in another five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars of closing costs. And then you get to do my favorite thing, which is move in and start calling repairmen. Hi, handyman. Because <laughs> I sure as heck don't do it. My son does nowadays. We're in that <laughs> phase right now, actually. We are on the phone with contractors yeah. every single day. We just hung up. And so it's a process, but we're getting the standard that we want to get done on the house, the fixes that we want to fix. There's always the give and take, the pros and the cons. But by moving quickly on this place and understanding you guys financially had to, weren't coming in with 50% down in the Bay Area. So I'm assuming that you had to take the home and now do these fixes. That was one of the compromises that you were willing to do. That was one of the compromises. And one of the reasons why it worked for us is because we're still in our apartment. Our lease doesn't end for a few more months because I thought it was going to take four or five months to find a house. And I said, well, let's just start looking and, and see what happens. And it just kind of worked out really quickly. But like you said, I mean, we literally saved like tens of thousands of dollars on the closing by having them do the credit. So that really gave us the room to breathe and able to kind of slowly make the repairs before we even have to move in. Oh, that's great. There are some people that try to close it so tight. And I will say to them, if you're trying to save that much money, then either you're stretching too far on the purchase or like you can barely afford this house. Like if you can't afford to cover both for a month or so, Plus, it's a really fun. Have you done a slumber party yet? Have you gone over there and just hung out? You know what? We totally did. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. Did you really? <laughs> well, because part of the reason why we purchased the home is because our really good friends literally two blocks away. So they were having a party at their house and we didn't want to have to deal with coming back. So we just spent the night there. Yeah. All we have is a mattress that we ordered online. And we just spent the night there at an empty house with our two dogs. Yeah. Oh my gosh, how 
fun. Oh, <laughs> that so warms my heart. And yeah, you mentioned it earlier. It is something that people need to think about. Is I have more people that buy homes for the dogs than themselves. Like around where I live, it's very similar to you. There are entry-level homes a lot of times might have a balcony. You have the, the garage is above or underneath the unit, and then you have a balcony. And then they call me and go, what about my dogs? And that was obviously a consideration for you guys. Yeah, definitely. We have two dogs. They've kind of been city dogs for six years. So we definitely want to give them the backyard, which we were able to accomplish. But Nathan and I are also in adoption phase, and we're trying to adopt a child. And so we wanted more space than what we currently have. And we were able to get that through this house. Now we have four bedrooms, two baths, and a large enough space for a future child, hopefully. Knock on wood. (laughs) I have been through this before. and. I love the day I hand them the keys. I know some people are very excited about the keys, but they're also like, okay, let's go refill out all our paperwork right now and send it in and say, look, we're legit. We have a house. We have a mortgage. We have room. (laughs) You look a lot better to the agency. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so fantastic. I usually end the interviews by saying, okay, so now how does your future look? But I guess that's how your future looks, huh? You're excited to start a family there. Yeah, and it's funny because we actually just happened to be at the annual review mark with our adoption agency. So we'll definitely be updating everything to reflect the home purchase in hopes of increasing our chances of a match there. Yeah, definitely. We're super excited. Like I said, we're in the neighborhood that we want to be in. We're already kind of looking at schools for this future child, and we've got a backyard for the dogs. So we couldn't be happier with the purchase, and we're just very blessed and thankful. So let me just once again reiterate, you're in the neighborhood that you want to be, in the schools that you want to be, and it's okay that you got into your 401k. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. want to make sure. Yeah, there's still some in there. We didn't have to use all of it. Yeah, yeah. We just dipped in there and it was perfectly fine. Yes, diversification. And the nice thing is, I mean, if you look back 20 years and if you guys are going through adoption now, 20 years from now, we're going to be talking about college potentially. Go back and look at home values 20 years ago. I bet it probably did better than the 401ks. So you're going to be in good shape. That's very, very exciting. My family's going to be so happy when I come home because they're going to be like, oh, you had a good interview, dad, because I'm glowing. (laughs) This is awesome. And thank you very much for all the insights, all the tips. I mean, just so many pieces that other people are going to be able to use, not to mention, of course, understanding how important that team was. I'm really glad that we got the great connection for you guys. So thank you so much. I'm going to be putting together what to do in your first year. So I'm going to be talking to you guys after the move in, get your updates on little things and tips that we can give to people after they move into the home, if you're all right with that. Yeah, that would be great. I feel like we already learned so much just from the one night that we spent in the house. So (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the most important thing of this whole interview is everybody give a little time, get the contractor in there first and first purchase, buy the mattress, then buy the mattress. (laughs) Yeah. You can't sleep in the fridge, right? (laughs) Did you get the mattress in the box that came to your house and just unloaded it? Like the windows? We had it since in a new house. Yeah, we did. (laughs) Yep. 
Exactly. I got one of those in my house and my wife thought me I was crazy, but I love my purple mattress. Not a sponsor, but you can <laughs> call that that was great. Great. That's fantastic. Oh, you guys are the best. All right. Well, also made an excuse for me to go back up to the Bay Area because I love it up there. So I'll just drive by your house and I'll scream, You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. And congratulations and good luck with everything moving forward. Thank you, David. Thank you. Absolutely. Wow. Boy. Okay. Helping people buy a home for their family is one thing, but helping people buy a home, which is a means to an end to achieve a family in the adoption process. Whew. Damn, you know, I don't take myself too seriously, but I'm literally humbled by that one that Nathan and Brian use the podcast to be able to be in a position to show supreme stability as adoption candidates. That is just uplifting. And of course, because I can't stay serious for too long, they got to have a slumber party. Yeah, so if you're on the fence about buying, there's another great bonus for owning a home. You don't hear about this on HGTV. You get slumber parties in your new big empty house while you're renovating it and you still have your apartment. But of course, the big lesson they gave us, the one that I was so excited about, I just kept interrupting them, is that if you live in the expensive area, the difference in the 3 to 5% down payment, different from a 20% down payment, it's not tens of thousands of dollars, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I really hope that you listen closely to Nathan and Brian. They didn't take the decision of using a low down payment lightly, but they also didn't dismiss it and consider it unsafe either. Sure, it took a little bit of convincing, but in the end, it was one of the only ways that they could actually make their dream of homeownership happen. You guys know if I could, I would wrap this all up in a little easy app that you could understand or one quick TikTok video and you'd go, great, that's a great trick, but this isn't a hack. This is a real process. So I've discussed the process about using your 401k or your retirement, or as Nate got to learn, diversifying your portfolio. And I went into it deep in episodes 22, 58, 75, and 113. And it sucks, but here's your truth bomb. Life's not fair. You're not going to be able to buy a home the same way the boomers did. Life's different now. Sure, they got better economic times, but you know what? You get the internet and more entrepreneurial opportunities. And you got to see the Cubs win the World Series before you were middle-aged. I get it. Life's not fair. But if you do the work like they did, if you talk to a financial advisor, if you research on your own, if you listen to the podcast, and if you get a great unicorn realtor that then refers you to an amazing customer service mortgage pro, not the kind of stuff you're going to get from an online lender, someone is going to be able to talk to you. You can get all the creative advice that they did to find a way to safely and securely beat the system in an expensive area and feel positively secure that you're making the right move without having to use the old dinosaur, archaic, unattainable 20% boomer financial down payment, those paths that are just not feasible in today's world. Listen close to their words. And then if you want more information and get deep into it like they did, go back to episodes 22, 58, 75, and 113. I say again, for more safe and practical financial philosophies to help people thrive in this world instead of just fretting about how it's not the way it used to be. There's plenty more at howtobuyahome.com. And if you're just starting out, get in there and sign up for the starter kit. And we'll get into the advanced financials for you a few months down the line if all this stuff is like, I don't even know what they're talking about. 
And if this story that was shared today was helpful for you, it's probably going to be helpful for other people. So please, please share the podcast when you can. By sharing it with your friends, we can help lots of people crush the confusion and come to the happy ending that Nathaniel and Brian did. There's more on YouTube you can share with your friends as well. That's at How to Buy a Home Podcast. Just search it up. All right, I'm going home. That was glorious. I feel so good, and you should too. Nothing great in life is easy, but with the help and guidance of pros who really are looking out for you, things that are difficult, they're not impossible. And you know what that means? Yeah, you can do this.